when you start tackling the subconscious mind, I mean, there's a lot of things that show up and things that you probably had no idea that were even there. And that can feel, you know, scary or, or anxious or no telling. But I mean, the more that you can start giving yourself even just that five to 10 minutes a day of just you time, right? Because we don't allow that for ourselves. And that five to 10 minutes is that rest and repair for your body to let it know that it's not fleeing a cheetah. Welcome to the Menopause Mastery Podcast, a show for women just like you who are ready for more health, vitality, passion, living life with a purpose. I created this show because I knew that women just like me in this second season of life, the season of menopause, are really tapping into their deepest desires. And we're ready to harness our physical and mental health and explore what our true passions are and peel back the layers to uncover exactly what we want out of life. I'm your host, Betty Murray, part geek, part magician, and your new medical bestie with a dash of sass. I love taking the complex science and making it easier to integrate into daily life. So let's join the journey to make this season the best ever. Welcome back to Menopause Mastery. So today I have Sari Kausert on my show today, and I've known Sari for quite a few years. And Sari has had a very unique life, much like all of us, and she has made it her mission to guide and help others into their own power and awareness and love. She believes that everyone has an innate power that lives within them, but based off conditioning and our external environments that we were possibly raised in, we may have lost touch with our own innate ability. And she really believes that going within and then working with our subconscious programming, we can realize that we are the creators of our own reality. And we can do that not only by how we think, but by how we act and how we feel. Sari is a hypnotherapy and meditation teacher, and she has such unique skills and such a unique story. I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Sari Kausert. Thank you for listening to Menopause Mastery. Let's get with Sari. All right, Sari. Awesome. I'm so happy to have you on. It's going to be such a fun conversation. And I would love for you to share your journey. You know, everybody has a cool story and a unique kind of life experience that sort of make us who we are. And so share a little bit about your journey. You and I have known each other for quite a while, but my listeners don't know you. This is true. I'm currently a certified hypnotherapist and master imagery specialist. You know, before that, I was a, I mean, I'm still a normal girl, but, you know, had the life everybody thought I wanted, the American dream, all these things, but I was unhappy, deeply, deeply unhappy and struggled primarily with chronic panic attacks and anxiety. I had hormonal issues. I mean, it took me, I think at one point in my life, which, you know, you deal with hormones so much now. I didn't have a cycle for like 10 months. And it wasn't until I found out later that I had hypothyroidism, that that was perhaps one of the reasons why I was not having a cycle. I ended up getting on medicine immediately and we had our first child. But even through all that, my anxiety just kept getting worse and worse and worse as I aged and to the point to where it was truly chronic. You know, I had to figure out who was available for me to call that could support me when I was going through a panic attack. And primarily these usually happened while I was driving, which, you know, while you're driving, you're feeling everything, but you're like having to be focused on the road. Your breathing is short. Your 
heart rate is rapid, all of these things. And I'm thinking things like I have a heart problem because this keeps showing up day to day to day. And you know, usually the same symptoms or new symptoms start showing up. When I was, you know, overweight, I had killed myself in the gym. There was nothing that I could do to feel good as a woman in my own body on top of all of this mental stuff that was going on with it. And so it just got to a point to where it was just, it was horrifying. I mean, I could not drive my children to school. I would have to stop because I was having a panic attack. And my daughter at the time, she was like, I don't know, four or five. And she's like, mommy, what's wrong? And and I'm like freaking out, crying. You know, my husband won't answer the phone and my sister won't answer the phone. And those were my two primary like contacts in those situations. And what kind of example am I giving to my children at this point in time? And it was so frustrating because no one would listen to me. I went to counselor after counselor and doctor And they just wanted to put me on antidepressants or Xanax, which, you know, maybe Xanax helps like in a really horrible situation, but then you're so fogged out the rest of the day that, you know, you can't even get anything done. And who wants to live like that? And I was on antidepressants for probably like five years. And I think I was just like a zombie, wasn't feeling, I wasn't happy. I wasn't low, but I was just like flatlining and who is that to say that that's a way to live as well. And so I ended up getting off of the antidepressants, which you should never do cold turkey. I found out the hard way. I just decided like, there's got to be a better way to live. And I didn't know how to do it. And I had recently, this was um, years later, I'd had my second child. I found out that I had PCOS because I had a um, cyst rupture. And it was really bad. I didn't know what was happening. So I went to my OB-GYN and he did a sonogram. And she's like, well, your ovaries look like chocolate chip cookies. And you have polycystic ovarian syndrome. She's like, you've probably had it for you know, a really long time. you know. But most people don't know unless they get a sonogram or do you know, extensive testing, which most doctors weren't willing to do. And so luckily, I had a great OB-GYN at the time that was willing to put me on a natural thyroid medication. And and talk to me about options for PCOS. But ultimately, I had to do the digging myself. I had to do the research. And so I'd found a book that was really great, and I would recommend anyone with PCOS. And it was, um, I think it was a PCOS diva. Mm -hmm. Does that sound right? She's a friend. (laughs) Yeah. And so I read her book. And ultimately, I felt like my life was out of control. But I knew that If I could control something, it was going to be what I put in my mouth. And her book was very much based on diet and finding out that with PCOS, you have blood sugar issues and insulin, you know, resistance and things all I didn't know that the minute I started changing the way I eat, which we know now how much the gut is associated with mental health. Ultimately, like I started having less panic attacks. And I think now too, looking back, So much of my panic attacks came from feeling shaky from probably my blood sugar dropping and that being like a scary symptom for me. And I didn't know what was going on and ultimately caused a panic attack. And so just knowing these small things and taking it back into my own control and what I could do from there, I lost a lot of weight and that was great. And it was really helpful, but still kind of wasn't like mentally stable yet. 
And so I found this amazing man, which we've talked about multiple times, Dr. Joe Spinza. And I read his book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And when I read it, well, first off, let me step back. I had listened to a podcast that he was on and the way that he worded it for me, because I was not spiritual by any means, woo woo. I was very black and white and I probably couldn't even hear some of the things that I am loving and into now at the time, but he demystifies that with his science-based evidence. And he was talking and I was just, I remember telling my husband, like, this is like my Bible. Like this makes so much sense to me because he explained that like your body, which is basically your subconscious mind is in the driver's seat and your mind, your rational mind is in the passenger seat because we know now 95% of our thoughts and emotions are subconscious. They're not conscious. And so it made so much sense to me that my body had become the mind. My body was having these panic attacks because I had programmed it to. And so they were having it before I was even thinking it. And that to me felt out of control. And so how was I going to be able to control that back? But the minute I could start recognizing the symptoms and what my body was doing before it was having a panic attack, that's when I could rewire my brain and start changing that. And you do that a lot through his book, through meditations that he gives you. I read the book probably in like two weeks. And then um, I did the meditations that went with it and the journaling. And I swear to you, Betty, I came out complete 180 different person, you know, as if the veil was lifted and I was someone else. And I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that I had lived 12, 13 years of my life just in this survival mode that was just toxic for me, for my body. I mean, I'm so grateful for that journey because I wouldn't be where I'm at now. It was so beautiful to be able to be present with my children, not worrying when the next panic attack was going to come and not worrying about what my hormones were doing or all of this. And so through that, you know, I still was kind of living on the holistic line and I needed support from the medical field and I didn't know how to do that. And luckily I had a friend who is a nurse practitioner that um, she worked for Avexius and she was like, I've heard of this woman, her name's Betty Murray and you have to go see her. And I don't know what it, I, she'd given me a couple other names, but at the time I was like, nope, Betty's the only one for me. And it was so beautiful because it was almost like the universe divinely connected me with you because while I was still meditating and doing Dr. Joe's meditations, I was picturing myself in this whole body that was functioning correctly, that was, you know, ideal physique and all of that. And I swear when I met you, I mean, this was probably, let's say, probably like March to August would be my guess. Like literally every puzzle piece went back where it was supposed to be in that time with you. And that was so beautiful because somebody finally understood and you were willing to like dig deep too onto like what those root causes were instead of putting a bandaid on it. Ultimately, like, I think that's where it's gotten me wanting to be able to help guide others in their journeys now, because I see the possibility of the change 
And to me, it is at a root level subconsciously versus just counseling or just talking. We have to get to those subconscious layers in order to really change those patterns. Uh, you know, I, we often, if you were to ask any one person, they'd be like, well, I, I don't want to have difficulty and discomfort, right? But that's where we actually grow and learn, even though it you know, may not always be the most pleasant experience. You know, it's in those challenges that we, that we truly grow. But I think, you know, what frustrates me so much is I think your experience is, you know, your experience through the medical system and sort of just a, a glossing over or nobody being willing to kind of dig in to look at what was really going on and putting a Band-Aid on your symptoms, which were panic attacks, right? It's just, it just makes, it makes me crazy. <laughs> it really does. It does. Yeah. It does. And it's frustrating because it's happening every single day. And I think it's becoming, or it seems that way, maybe because we're immersed in it, but it seems like there are people that are starting to want to ask more questions. But I mean, we've just been conditioned to dumb down our feelings and that we shouldn't express them and tell people how we are. We're supposed to be this you know, facade of an image that we've created. And that's just not you know, healthy in any way and is only going to cause, to me, like they say that like, chronic illness is really like something that should be able to be cured. You know, like we should really only have kind of like emergency medical type stuff, but here we are in, in this massive country where they're taking advantage of our chronic pain that like they're just feeding with more, more bullshit basically. And it's just upsetting to watch. And I feel like people need you know, more information. And we're in a time where people can really gain that information themselves. And I'm so lucky that I was in a place to just figure it out no matter what, and to find people like the PCOS Diva and find you and find things like that, because we need those resources. And I think there are people out there that just are struggling internally, and they don't know what to do, and they don't talk about it. Even, you know, what I do, hypnotherapy is so amazing just for like small things. It doesn't have to be like this huge transformation that you have to go through, but just hearing, you know, being a witness to those small voices that are in your head that you're telling yourself things that are not serving you throughout your day. And those are the thought patterns and processes that get us to this place of not healing. And then also not believing that we can because our environment and society has told us we can't. Yes, yes. You know, I want to unpack a little bit about PCOS just because I it's it's underdiagnosed. So polycystic ovarian syndrome for any of my listeners that are not familiar with it is at an underlying sort of situation. It it is a metabolic problem with insulin resistance that's somewhat inherited, but we also have a diagnosis called pseudo polycystic ovarian syndrome, which we we create this insulin resistance through diet and lifestyle. But, you know, in the traditional medical world, the only time a doctor thinks of it is if you never have a period. Like if you had a couple maybe as a kid and then all of a sudden boom, they're gone or they're super erratic. Then that's kind of like, here's, you know, here's, here's your harbinger. Here we found it. But it's a continuum like anything else. And a lot of women are dealing with these hormone shifts and they'll, they'll deal with like what you experienced. No matter what you were doing in the gym and how you were generally eating, you couldn't lose weight. It was a major struggle. And then you get these emotional upheavals because you've got the metabolic insulin resistance. And then underlying it, your sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone are not cycling properly relative to each other. And that makes your period erratic, but it also can make your mood erratic. And, and have no sex drive as well. 
Yep. Terrible libido. Sorry, women. (laughs) Sorry, guys. It's just all of that shows up. And, you know, if you go to your traditional doctor, they're just like, well, you know, some women don't, you know, don't have normal periods or heaven forbid, they just put you on a birth control to sort of regulate it. And don't you think that also like mass, like what's actually happening birth control as well? Because I feel like it seems like PCOS runs rampant in my family. And now whether that's a genetic thing or, you know, happening because of your environment internally or externally. I mean, I remember when my mother put me on birth control, like at 16, 17 years old. And like, who's to say that at that point in my life, I wasn't already like showing symptoms of PCOS and then birth control just masked it for 10 years. Yeah, it is. In a lot of cases, it is a little bit genetic. We have sort of this predisposition and then, you know, and then into traditional medicine, we always use birth control to cover up any female, you know, symptoms that might appear because that's the easiest thing to do. And then if those don't work, we go straight to the antidepressants. Your experience, whether it's panic attacks because maybe your blood sugar was going awry because of insulin's, you know, lack of real control, it's frustrating because you think about how many years your your health was robbed from you while you were dealing with it. I mean, I think that's the thing that makes me just burn up. We have a lot of people, you know, the vast majority of Americans just feeling like their health is being robbed and they may not even be aware of it because they're in this sort of paradigm that's broken. You know, so your aha moment was really falling in deep with your hormones, right? Was that really where you're like, okay, this was the aha. This is, you know. Yeah, I think that Well, also, you know, just I had already had, you know, and we, I think you kind of had told me before, like thyroid and PCOS kind of go hand in hand as well. Like you, so most people have one or the other or both because they show up together um, based off their hormones. Already having the thyroid and like, I just remember, I know this sounds so silly, but I remember when I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism and I was thinking like, I have to take a pill for this for the rest of my life. And like that just, there was something like intuitively that didn't sit well with me, but like, because that was what I was supposed to do now, I rolled with it. The doctor that I had, he had put me on uh, a desiccated thyroid hormone. And then whenever I got pregnant, my OBGYN wanted me to go to an endocrinologist and they immediately put me on a synthetic one and that did nothing for me. And did they want to test my T3 and my reverse and like all of the things that like your normal are supposed to test? No, because they don't want to see that. They're getting paid by probably big pharma to give me samples of Synthroid or whatever it was that I was taking and it did nothing for me. And so just being able to research again, you know, what was good for me and then here. I've already dealt with thyroid for X amount of years. And then now I'm getting another diagnosis of another health issue, which to me, like that was just what, whether people think that having one or two or three is not that big of a deal to me, like having two physical, like chronic things wrong with me was just like, hell no. Like I, what don't, this, this can't go any further. Cause then, then it could be me being a diabetic. And it's just like, when's the stopping point? But we've made this medical diagnosis is to be okay. And it's just not okay. You know, like thyroid problems are definitely rampant. And, you know, we, there's a hundred different reasons why we may have problems with it, you know, especially the environment and our toxins. But even PCOS, you know, I look at it and go, if it's a fair percentage of people, and I don't know what that number really is, you know, that are probably struggling with this. I always look at it and go, if it was all genetic, we would have bred it out of the gene pool. 
uh, over millions of years, if it was so problematic, it would have been bred out of the gene pool. So really, the ultimate thing is, what have we done to our food and our environment that has now created such a epigenetic driver or environmental factors that make how our bodies are naturally wired to run no longer run properly? You know, and a lot of it really is, as women, we're designed to conserve our body, every, every hormonal mechanism for the most part for a woman has at least one part that is like, make sure we can save some body fat for reproduction. Because of course, nature doesn't care that we're out here living our lives. They just want us to reproduce, right? Yeah. So, so it cares about reproduction. So we're wired to make sure that we can make it through a famine. And then if you look at PCOS and the inheritance sort of insulin resistance, that's a big part of it, right? I look at it and go, maybe it is not we're broken, it's that the food that we're being trained to eat and marketed to and all that other stuff is broken for the body we're in, you know, and especially probably if we look at different, you know, ancestral backgrounds and what our, our ancestors probably ate, it was very different. And so it's, it's that, that sort of twist on it's we're not broken. It's our environment, the food and everything else in our world is broken and our body's not adapted to how broken it is, you know, because I think that's a more empowering thing. Which brings me sort of the next thing. I, I know you're all about empowerment because, again, if we're slightly even aware of those subconscious thoughts, right? And I think most of us would be like, oh, my gosh, I'd slap myself if I paid attention to what I'm saying all day. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's like, would you say the things that you say in your head to your child? Probably not. You would, and if somebody else was saying to them, you would be appalled. But yet those are the thoughts that we have in our head and we're not aware of them. Exactly. So let's talk about hypnosis, meditation. like. You know, how, how can people think about those as part of their healthcare paradigm? Because you know, you know, I'm a huge fan and I love Joe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about um, it. I mean, I think that number one, our biggest problem is our stress hormones, right? We're all living in survival mode like 24 seven. And what is that doing to the rest of your body? You know, like, I mean, it's like they talk about, you know, the, the cheetah chasing the gazelle, right? And typically, like if that fight fails, right, and the gazelle gets away, like their stress hormones got, go back to normal, they go to grazing. But here we are living in a environment where that cheetah is in the cubicle next to us or in the house with you, you know, or or the thoughts in your head, right? So we're constantly living in this survival mode. We haven't taught ourselves how to calm down that parasympathetic nervous system and to re-regulate our hormones and our cells and everything to feel like it's in a safe environment. And so by using meditation, you know, sound baths, any really healing modality you can think of, hypnosis, whatever it is, you're getting to a point to where you're telling your body that it can rest and repair. If you're constantly in survival mode, I mean, even and I can understand why it would be so important for you and your your patients. You know, it's like I can do all these things and help you get yourself back to normal. But if you're not getting your body to a state of rest and repair, like at some point during the day, it's just in fight or flight mode and it it's overworking itself and it doesn't know how to get back to normal. And so, yes, while it is ultimately like when I work with clients, yes, we want to get those thought patterns back. But even those thought patterns themselves, if you're constantly hard on yourself and your thought patterns, and I need to do this and you do that and you do this, instead of like, you know what, today I get to just like chill out for 20 minutes, you know, and leave the phone, the computer, the TV, the radio, whatever it is, and just allow yourself 
a moment. Even if you think about that, like a reason why people have, you know, addictions or outlets or things because they don't know how to deal with the thoughts that are actually coming up. And when we do stop, because we've been in such a go, go, go lifestyle, that those thoughts that actually start to come up, they might be painful or full of anger or full of sadness. And we don't know how to deal with them because we weren't taught to. And so ultimately, it would be my hope that I can help people guide them on how to deal with that, how to regulate their nervous system. What's like the first thing you think somebody should just start doing for their level of awareness? Because like you said, most of us are just, we've got our face down, we're on the grindstone, we're just, we're just making stuff happen. One foot in front of the other, we're probably not even cognizant of what's really happening around us other than just get it done. What would you say is one thing that somebody listening today can go, well, I don't even know if this is really applying to me. What's one thing they could do? I mean, simple. Get rid of the cell phones in your room before you go to bed. Allow yourself to just lay in bed and stare at the ceiling for five minutes before you close your eyes to go to sleep instead of staring at your phone, you know, or listen. There's so many like free resources now, like on YouTube and and different apps and things that you can just listen to some soft, soothing music, you know, just to like, if, if you can't do silence, another one I love personally, if you get up early, you know, I make my coffee and I go sit out on my patio because I have a great view of the sunrise and to just give myself quiet outside, you know, for five to 10 minutes before the children are running through the house, trying to get ready for school, you know, just simple, small things like that. If you get to your destination, you know, and you're sitting in your car, just put your phone down, you know, for five minutes and just close your eyes and just see what comes up, you know, no telling. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people be like, oh, I don't know what Pandora's box might open up and let out. (laughs) Well, and I think that that is the scary point, which is why I think it's great to have someone to help guide you through those things, uh, which are great through hypnosis, because when you start tackling the subconscious mind, I mean, there's a lot of things that show up and things that you probably had no idea that were even there. And that can feel, you know, scary or, or anxious or no telling. But I mean, the more that you can start giving yourself even just that five to 10 minutes a day of just you time, right? Because we don't allow that for ourselves. And that five to 10 minutes is that rest and repair for your body to let it know that it's not fleeing a cheetah or some sort, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, you and I've talked about this before, but I, I agree with you that I think our stress, particularly if somebody's like, okay, I, I don't like how my body looks. I'm trying to lose weight. I'm trying to do all of that. And I have firmly come to the answer that if we're not getting restorative sleep and we're not able to ratchet that down, it is an extraordinary battle, particularly as we move into that 40 and above range that we just can't outrun that stress chemistry anymore. So I agree with you. I, I want to double back on the the hypnosis because I think people have probably some parlor trick sort of ideas of what hypnosis is like. They're like, oh, my God, are they going to make me, you know, pluck like a chicken and <laughs> do something stupid on stage? Because we've seen some of those parlor tricks sort of things. So talk about what hypnosis is really like and what somebody could expect, because I think some people are frightened of it because they just don't know. Absolutely. So. Hypnosis is a natural state of consciousness that we all experience every single day. So it is a natural state that you, when you are asleep and you wake, you go through. And the same thing when you're going to bed, when you are laying down in bed and you go through the different brain waves, you know, beta to alpha to theta. So typically hypnosis, if you're a science buff, it's in an alpha theta brainwave state, which is just like a more like 
alpha is like your creative. You have kind of one foot in the conscious mind and one foot in the subconscious. And then theta is a little bit closer to sleep. It's just very relaxed. It's very calm. If you've done a meditation before, it's similar to that state. I mean, it's even like if you think about when you've driven to work, right? And you drive the same way to work every day. And let's just say it takes you 15 minutes to get there. And some days you're like, you miss your exit or like you got there and you don't even know how. That is a state of hypnosis. Okay. You're just, your kind of brain is checked out. Your body's like just driving the car like it's supposed to, right? It's basically we're opening up a door that can get through the logical, the rational, the decision-making mind that's in the analytical mind that's trying to tell you like, oh, am I hypnotized or not? No, you know, we're we're just slipping through that little bit and getting into the subconscious mind. And that way we can get into the, some of those patterns that are a little bit, you know, holding you back or limiting in your life. So in the first couple sessions that I would have with a client, I actually put you in survival mode to get you to relax. So if it makes sense, like when you think about your day and you're like doing this and doing that, and you have all these things going on and like, it feels exhausting, right? So I almost kind of get you to that point of feeling exhausted in hypnosis to the point to where you just want to let go. And you're just going to be like, okay, now I'm going to relax because I don't want to do this anymore. Right. And, and it's exhausting. So that way it allows your body to relax, to let go and to just experience what is being experienced. And it's nothing that also you're not, I'm not going to tell you to do something that you would never be okay doing. You are absolutely aware, hyper aware of the sound of my voice and any sounds and noises going on. And if there was ever a situation where it was uncomfortable and you needed to come out, that would be very easily to do very quickly. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's funny because I think the more logical someone is, I remember because I've gone through hypnosis, obviously, and and I remember the first time the woman saying, well, you're, you're a little difficult. And I was like, you know, my <laughs> my my firm conscious slash ego is really attached to my logical mind. Yeah. Well, you know, I find, you know, the people because everyone's like, oh, I don't think I could be hypnotized. But I feel like it's those of you, perhaps even you, Betty, that when you get to that point, you actually go in really deep and it's really beneficial. There's not a single person that can or can't be hypnotized, but it's what are you going to allow? Are you going to allow this process to happen? Or are you going to fight it with your analytical mind the whole time? Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, when I get in, I get pretty deeply in, but you know, the chatter in my head is a little challenging in the beginning. So, you know, you kind of mentioned this earlier, but talk about especially the hypnosis and meditation work, because a lot of us are anesthetizing ourselves to our experience where, you know, whether it's shopping on Amazon or playing with our phone and scrolling through social media, what is it, an average yeah. of seven? It's like, I think it's an average of like three or four hours a day. And then if you have teenagers, they actually get on multiple times in the middle of the night to check their feed, which is just frightening to me. But, you know, we have all these addictions, some good, some bad. Tell me what you think is really driving a lot of that, because obviously some of us aren't even aware that we have addictions. Absolutely. So um, a huge part of, of hypnosis is your suggestibility, okay, and how suggestible you are to information. There are different types, um, and there are some people that are like radically very suggestible, like 
whatever they're going to see on social media, whatever they're going to watch on CNN, all of these things, they're slipping straight into their subconscious. It's not even going through the conscious mind at all. And they probably don't even realize it. So when you think about when you've spent 30 minutes or an hour scrolling on Instagram or Facebook or watching TikTok, think about the material that you are looking right. And Is that something that you really want to be programming yourself with? I mean, you know, we talk about subliminal messages, but it is absolutely just because you're already in trance scrolling. Your analytical mind is not happening. So everything that you're taking in absolutely is going straight in. And so taking a look at what is it that you allow yourself to receive during the day? Is it, I mean, even, you know, when you think about the pandemic and everybody's watching the news and we're in survival mode, right? And everybody is believing everything that is being said on the news. Is that true? Well, that's one newscaster's preference or perception. Is that actual? We don't know, but we're taking that in as ours because we are already in that survival mode and believing it to be true. And so absolutely the internet and the available information has become amazing, but, you know, start filtering through what it is that you're seeing, you know, and, and the reaction that you're getting by seeing those things. Yeah. Cause that's, I think people get overwhelmed by that sort of vacuum of content and then it just adds to their stress chemistry and everything else. And then we look for ways to check out, you know, yep. it's a, gl- a glass of wine after dinner or more. With some chocolate when the kids go to bed, all those pieces that, you know, I hear about every day. I'm like, okay, this is this is what's probably driving all of it. We find these ways to sort of take a take a step back and sort of take the edge off also. So, you know, the other thing I think that I know you and I've talked about too is I don't think people realize that most of the way we operate in our life is based on decisions we made as a small child that we were filtering through a small child's understanding of the world and coming up with who we're going to be. Talk a little bit about that, because most of us would say, oh, no, no, no. I, I, I make decisions based on my you know, 53-year-old self. Absolutely. We are all still making decisions from that little eight-year-old child. You know, that eight-year-old Betty is still running rampant in your mind because, you know, our subconscious mind is literally programmed from the ages of zero to eight. And it's not until after eight that you start developing a little bit more of that analytical mind, but all of those programs are instilled. So, you know, God forbid you are someone who had a traumatic childhood and is a 50 year old woman or man, you know, still angry about what happened to you as a child, but you have no idea, you know, or you have alcohol addiction or whatever that is, because you need to escape because of what you experienced as a child and you don't know how to communicate, right? I mean, think about like most eight-year-olds, do they really know how to communicate? No. And we're all eight-year-olds, you know, running around deciding things, you know, in business and in work, you know, environments and relationships and, you know, loving relationships, all of these things. And there, there's a great... um sculpture that they had at uh, Burning Man a few years ago. I didn't go, but I saw a picture of it. And it was like, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like these two metal adults, like metal wire, like huge, but, and they're back to back and they're like pissed, you know, with their arms closed, but inside them are two children and they're facing each other and they just, they want to touch and they want to love. And like, that's ultimately what we have inside of us is a child that just wants to be loved and heard. But instead, we're 
you know, lashing out because we're not receiving that. Yeah. So obviously that's kind of your whole goal, right? Is to help people sort of reach in and give that inner child a, a voice, right? And then help them reach out. So, so, so walk me through how you sort of work with people. What, what things do you do to sort of help them access that? I use a lot of imagery in my hypnosis because our brain speaks in images and it senses and it feels. And so I have these journeys that you go on that can help you tap into a little bit more of something that's not so concrete, right? You kind of use it in metaphors and and pictures and images and, and you're getting an experience and you're having the feeling of it, right? In a safe space. Like a beautiful one I did with someone the other day was uh, she was having anger issues and she described it in a way that it was like a little monster within her. But when we went and met this little monster in an imagery safe setting, it was her eight-year-old child self that what felt abandoned at some point, you know, like it's just really beautiful. But in a way that you can see and you can feel and you can sense all of these emotions that we have pushed down and locked down. And it's very relaxing, sometimes emotional, And that's not the only thing, you know, like it could be something as like working on your worthiness of the promotion that you want, or, you know, the house that you want to get and what's holding you back from getting there. I mean, they're all just little limiting belief patterns that we can start tapping into in a beautiful imagery way to access what's holding you back, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think, you know, I think everybody would benefit from doing a little bit of internal work, you know, uh, to sort of access this because it's, it is that subconscious mind that basically we think something, our subconscious mind responds, and then that's how we act out. And then we can't figure out why the world stinks. <laughs> well, it's almost like, you know, the idea of like mothering or reparenting yourself in a way, you know, deciding that how I was conditioned or raised isn't serving me anymore. And how do I want to talk to myself? And how do, what is the messages I do want to receive? And even in that same way, like being able to go into your outer conscious awake life and going through your Instagram feed and like, what needs to go, you know, because this isn't mothering me or reparenting me in a way that I would like to, we are all lacking a feeling of worthiness. And so the more that we can even just Whatever that may look like, if we can build that up, you know, and if if I can help mother you in a, in a guided way that you can start talking to yourself differently, I think everybody needs that in their life personally, but that's just me. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So, so can you tell my listeners the best way to get a hold of you so they can find out more about how you work with people and what they do or what you do for them? I am on Instagram at the.growth.goddess. Um, also my website is thegrowthgoddess.net. Um, you can email me there, Sari at thegrowthgoddess.net. And I would love to talk with anyone that has more questions. I offer free, um, zoom discovery calls. So if you're even just curious, tap in because, you know, you never know. And it's, it's always a deep dive, but it doesn't have to be scary. It can be gentle and it can be exactly what you need. We tailor it to you. Great. Great. So, Sari, thank you so much for being on Menopause Mastery. Is there anything else you want to add before we go? Well, I'm just so grateful to you, Betty, for the work 
on the due diligence that you have given to me, to your clients, to the world, because if we didn't have women like you, I don't know where we'd be. So I'm very grateful. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Menopause Mastery. And if you loved this episode, hey, give it a shout out and share it and subscribe. And if you can, leave me a review so I know that you liked it. Or even if you didn't like it, let me know. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Menopause Mastery Podcast. You are why I'm here, and I am so very grateful. Hit subscribe so you don't miss any wisdom on creating the most exceptional life on our terms. If this episode has helped you in any way, please share it with a friend to spread the love and together we rise. You can follow me on social media at Betty Murray PhD and you can reach me online at BettyMurray.com. 